Hello and welcome to The Boardwalk. I'm Sunny and I'll be your host. What started as a remote leisurely walking club has since expanded into this podcast, intended to get you moving more, feeling better, and plugging into community one step at a time. On the sixth episode of The Boardwalk, I got to sit down with one of my best friends, Sarasvati Hewitt. We sat across from each other on the ground of her cozy living room in southeast Portland. Her cats Neebs and Sonia were with us, and there was banana bread involved. You might want to take this one on a walk and join us as we talk about boredom, how walking and yin yoga create the process for nirvana, the neurobiology of sleep, and animal medicine. Thanks for being here. Thanks for being you. Let's walk. Oh my gosh, we're oh. here. We're here with Sarah Spati oh. and Neves and Sonia, <laughs> her fabulous cats. <laughs> Welcome. Yay, thank you for having me. Welcome to the boardwalk. I know that you've heard me talk about it a lot and have been kind of a here for the evolution of what it's become and now you're now you're a guest on the podcast and i i'm just so grateful to know you we have had such fun wild times together in portland and um i think about us and how we walk through space both individually and together thinking about the times we've frequented holocene <laughs> and like oh, how yeah. we start the dance party and just how powerful it is not just to walk through that space or any space but even witnessing other people walk through the space with so much grace and confidence and style and love and and how contagious that is yeah contagious that joy is and that that passion so it's been it's been a pleasure to befriend you and to get to know you more and more but also to learn from you um you are I, I refer to you to, to everyone that I know and meet as the yin yoga teacher, <laughs> even though I know you've learned from a line of incredible masters um, and I'll hand it over to you soon to talk about that. But I, I've learned so much from you in your yin yoga classes and in just getting to know you and hanging out with you, um, seeing you as, as a mother to two kids and as a mentor to so many people as one of my spiritual advisors so thank you for being here and um i would love to know a little bit more about kind of what brought you to portland because that's where we met and that's where we are now yeah if you want to start there um so i ended up in portland um after teaching yoga still you know for many years in other places like alaska and hawaii um and we just ended up moving here because um, the father of my children, his community was here, and it seemed like a kind of cool in-between, um, a place where I had connection just from growing up in Alaska and spending a lot of time more like in Sutherland, Oregon, but I was like, I can live here, and so 12 years later, I'm still here, um, yeah, and I've been teaching yoga for about 18, but I ended up um, a couple years back co-owning a yoga studio here in Portland. And that was what sort of like brought me into the more um, mainstream, like yoga world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. 
I've never been to Alaska, but I imagine it to be a very energetic and spiritual place because of the low density of people compared to land. And you, you grew up on an island? I grew up on an island in a town called Ketchikan, where the tribes are Haida, Tlingit, Shimshian, which I can't say correctly because I'm white. Mm-hmm. And there are more totem poles there than anywhere else in the world. I want to go there with you. Oh, yeah, we'll go. It's epic. It's so, it's so beautiful. And, you know, it's funny because I know that what we're going to talk a lot about walking. And for me... Um, I grew up in a place where a lot of the sort of connection I had was not only going out into the woods, but like doing trails Mm -hmm. and like walking around like Ward Lake. Um, And from a a pretty young age, finding just sort of a comfort and being around really old big trees. And Mm -hmm. that was, and just always, and I still go for walks Mm -hmm. around here, but it really rooted in um, growing up in Alaska and always going on the walks to go and be around the trees just being immersed in nature and that's something you always pull in or bring into your classes is nature animals yep elements um is that something would you would you attribute that to just your upbringing and yeah yeah for sure growing up in a place where things you know creatures like raven and orca and bear and wolf and salmon eagle they're not only like respected but they're they're cherished. They are, they are everything. Um, and so I really early on learned a ton of love and respect for that. And then in my, a little bit, you know, like early twenties or so I ended up in other communities, um, outside of Alaska that also cherished, you know, different types of animals. But then when I came to yoga and the poses are like, you know, downward facing dog and tree pose. And I I was like, okay, this is interesting. I vibe with this because, in Alaska, we have this connection. And then in Kung Fu also, right, you have like tiger and praying mantis and monkey style and everything is, it's named after animals. And so animals, nature, sages, like everything comes back to, we learn from these sorts of pieces. I love that. And I think that's also one of the reasons I love walking so much because living in, so I live in Vancouver, just across the river. And I'm really fortunate to be in a neighborhood that has a lot of tall trees, because actually even just a few blocks down, a lot of the trees have been cut. Mm-hmm. And I feel fortunate to be able to step outside the house and still feel like I'm in the middle of a forest, because there are not many areas, residential areas in in the area that have, or in the, this Portland, Vancouver area that have a lot of the, the big trees, unless you go to the parks and then you're immersed in the forest. And so I think that for me is nice to be able to step outside. And I recognize every time I step outside and I'm amongst the trees and I hear the birds singing that not everyone has this experience when they step outside to go on a walk. Um, That sometimes it's loud. Sometimes there is a a big disconnect from nature. Um, Growing up in LA, no one walks. Whenever I go home, I go on long walks and I mean, it's very spread out. So there's a reason it's a car dominant city and that you need a car. And now they have the, the Metro that I think is much more functional, but it's, it's so different. And I really tried to, to soak up the fact that I am at least walking amongst 
the big trees and like with the trees come the birds and come some of these other animals yeah um and remind remind me that i'm not separate from them and and also bring me back to this idea of reciprocity is something that is very prevalent in braiding sweet sweetgrass did you read this book no i haven't but everyone's been telling me to yeah and i've heard a lot of great stuff about it so, i'm still yeah. like i'm i'm like finally more than halfway through but it's a book that i keep kind of going back to and so much of it is about like honoring the harvest and yeah. indigenous wisdom and honoring the land and reciprocity because we we've grown up in a culture that's so used to taking yeah and like not even knowing where we get our food from totally to learning how we can reciprocate so many of these gifts and for me that has become an intention behind a lot of my walks to even just go out and like look at a tree and say thank you like yeah. it may not seem like much but it's it's a way to reconnect and it's also why as a yoga teacher too i find the practices so important to like come back to the body bring the mind back to the body to connect to remember that we are not separate that we it, we are all these moving pieces that are a part of something much much bigger yeah but I wanted to come back because we were talking about animals and you have your your deck. What yes, is, what, tell yes. us about the deck. Okay, so this is um like the animal tarot. And actually, um the reason that I ended up with this deck was years ago, um my friend Heather, I, I came to her and I was like, Heather, I had a dream that you and I were in a swimming pool filled with ants, and we were like and the ants were like everywhere, like even like we were like almost like breathing them. Wow. And and like most people it would be like, well, that's insane. But Heather just goes, oh, that's the medicine of patience. And I was like, what? And she was like, that means we were literally covered with and ingesting patients. And I was like, I don't know what that is. And so she was the one who told me about this deck. Yeah, the chills. <laughs> um, yeah. And um, she actually is really connected to a lot of um, not only animal medicine, but she has connection with many tribes. She is a white woman, but she works with a lot of um, South American medicine and um, has been sort of like deep in that world. Actually, we both grew up in Alaska and we oh, met cool. in Ketchikan. And oh, so it's nice. interesting that we both have such a connection to um, Alaska and just the animals. And yeah, so I'm going to have you draw a card okay. from this deck. Let's see. Let's, I love there's like a lightning bolt yeah. on the back of the cards. Yeah. That's so nice. These are okay. so magic. So yeah, whatever you right. feel. The weasel. Ooh, weasel. Oh, that's a good one. Okay, so the one thing I remember about this is that we kind of like get this joke about like, um, you know, weasel seeming like this naughty little medicine, but actually it's a really profound medicine and they used it for like, um, like pelts and stuff. And it has, um, I'm actually going to grab my books. So I can show yeah. you more about this, but weasel is actually really, really good to its mate. And there are often certain words that are associated with the different medicines. And so like, oh, interesting, because the one before and. that was ant, which is cool, <laughs> awesome, but it is stealth. Um, mm. And so it was talking about, um, there's a whole, like, there's whole, like, whole stories connected to it. Um, but weasel medicine has this ability to, like, sort of, like, 
sneak into places and see what's like really going on. Um, That's funny because I was just telling you about my experience in Costa Rica. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like... and, and it's like it has like it tells you about like hidden reasons and things. Um, but it, yeah, it has this very like interesting, like discreet way of um, sort of like seeing things like wallflower style. Mm. Um, yeah and but again it's funny how we think of weasels like naughty but actually weasels are like such good they're so cute they're such good mates too like they um i think i remember reading how weasel will like like the male will like make sure that the female like eats first and like they take really good care of their mates but yeah they seem they seem like so naughty but they're actually like super sweet um and this card is so pretty there are like a couple of feathers hanging from the weasel yeah. like the weasel looks like it's in a full moon and then there are some feathers and a starfish and a bone and almost like a yin yin yang but they're yeah. not they're not complementary they're like the same orientation so I'm just going to read you the first part of what yeah. this says because this just gives you an idea also I'll tell you this some of these cards I see all the time. This is not one I see very often, mm. which in itself is really cool because there are some cards that I see all the time. Um, when I do my teacher trainings, I have each of my students pull one. Mm. Um, but this is what it says, like just this tiny little thing in the beginning. It says, Weasel has an incredible amount of energy and ingenuity, yet it is a difficult power totem to have. It is not without significance that ermine or weasel pelt is worn by royalty. Isn't it interesting? This is kind of this vibes more than I can even say about what we were just mm -hmm. talking about. Mm -hmm. um, weasel ears hear what is really being said. Mm -hmm. This is a great ability, and weasel eyes see beneath the surface of a situation to know the many ramifications of an event. This too is a rare gift. Mm -hmm. Again, isn't that wild? Because of the things we were talking about, so yeah. they always show up in a really interesting way. Um, yeah, and I was gonna, I was gonna say because you know. As we're sitting here, in my front yard, I have four giant trees, and I've had neighbors ask me before, why don't you just cut them down? And I'm like, because that's where squirrel lives, mm -hmm. and that's where crow lives. And and without them, people don't know this, but every animal not only has function in the environment, but it has a sort of, it, it has a whole connection, right? If we, if we lose one animal, it always affects other things. Like where I grew up, they said forever, if you mess with the salmon populations, mm -hmm. it will mess with the forest. And they thought they were nuts, but now they're like, no, we see that animals actually drag the salmon into the forest and then that decomposes and becomes part of the network, what feeds the trees. And so even like out here, people don't know this, but I know this because this guy Mac down the street has lived here since the seventies and he goes, you know, if you took those trees out, this street would flood. And I was like, really? And he, and he said, they absorb that much water that they are changing the ecosystem. And that if we didn't have these trees, not only would we lose, you know, places for birds and squirrels and all these things, but it would literally create a flood. A flood. I love these trees. And when I'm at the very end of the street, they are they are like the North star for me. Like I know exactly where yeah. your house is and I'm like, okay, I'm just going to pull up right here. Cause there are the trees. Yep. They, yeah, they are so much a part of your house and so much a part of the network of trees in the city. And like you said, it's all, it's all a part of the ecosystem and, and like what we, 
what I was talking about also in the practice of, of yoga and it being something that you mentioned in your classes too, it's like, it is very much um, an individual practice or something like meditation can appear to be very like solitary and like you're excluding yourself from other people. And I've gotten this feedback um, in some of my Zazen meditation experience or like going to meditation retreats. It's like silent retreats. Like you're, why are you isolating yourself from everyone? And something that you talk about and something that I've experienced in my own practice and, and have shared too with some of my students is how such a huge part of the path of yoga is finding finding your own practice, but remembering always how important community is in yeah. the big picture and like in the ecosystem of, of our lived experience. Yeah. And I want to take this as a way to transition into talking more about what you teach, because one of the important, one of the benefits of walking is it gives us time to process yeah and it has a very similar effect to emdr because of the way our eyes are moving and scanning the environment it's multi-sensory which i've said before in a previous podcast um and i've gotten feedback before from people that they don't walk because it's boring um <laughs> and and even people that don't want to practice restorative yoga or yin yoga of what you teach is because it's boring because they are not ready to sit with themselves. Yeah. And I want to, I want to turn it to you and ask you why, why yin, why yin yoga? So like I mentioned, I've been teaching for 18 years for the yeah. first 10 years I taught Hatha and then I got into like Ashtanga Vinyasa and then I ended up in the yin world. Um, although what's really interesting is that I ended up teaching yin about 13 years into my teaching, but ironically living in Ashland, Oregon, was where I met Matt Schulman, who is one of the heads of yin yoga. He studied every day for six years with Paul Greeley, who we consider to be sort of like the known head of yin in America. Um, although it's from a Chinese lineage. I wanna make a note of that um, mm. because it's really important we understand that these were secrets of families in China and yin was never meant to be separate from Taishing, Pequor monkey style Kung Fu. It was just the stretching that you did before you did Kung Fu. And part of my, um, I like to think contribution to yin is the understanding the neurobiology and specifically the neurobiology of sleep. And so what we have figured out, the yin style, if we don't know what yin is, yin is a deep style of stretching where we generally hold between three and five minutes in a pose. And it is boring. And in that time, we move beyond just working in the muscles and we go into the fascia and the connective tissue. And what initially happened when I first started teaching yin I was just teaching it because everybody liked the stretching, but within a couple of months, people were coming to us and being like, why does this help my insomnia? Why is this helping my anxiety and depression and my PTSD? And we were like, I don't know, I'll see you Thursday. Like we didn't know. <laughs> and so I had to kind of go back um, and learn more. And I do, ha I have studied interpersonal neurobiology at Portland State. And so I was connecting these pieces of neuroscience and sleep and yoga. And what I figured out is this, yin is like the first domino that then sets off a domino effect of health because yin is boring and it allows you to process emotion. Insomnia happens 
when we don't have enough time to process. Mm -hmm. And we end up with either, there's two types of insomnia, trouble falling asleep or trouble staying asleep, and it could be a combination. Mm -hmm. So sleep is the most important thing. Like I teach sleep hygiene above everything else. But even if people want to get better sleep, they don't know where to begin. And in our world, which is filled with advanced technology and blue light, people are not bored and they don't realize that the boredom is necessary, that daydreaming is necessary. We were designed to have that as a kind of pre-cleansing for the brain so that then you sleep, then you dream, and that's where you process emotion. And so when people do yin or restorative or go for a walk and sleep better, they often don't realize that the boredom is actually what is needed so that we can process. And so it's like you're doing the, the pre-cleansing, the processing on the mat or when you're walking, but then the real deep emotional processing goes on when we dream. But if we can't ever get to sleep, if we can't get to the dream realm, then we're missing out on being like the best version of ourselves. Mm. So reminds me of something a another um, meditation teacher of mine mentioned when it's actually when I was first starting the boardwalk and I explained to her that when I noticed I was bored or when I was feeling agitated by something I was doing or overwhelmed or whatever it was, nervous energy overload, that I would get up and go for a walk. And her question, the question that she posed to me was, are you walking, is your walking an avoidant behavior or is your walking a, a mode of processing? And I thought that was a really good question and something to ask about anything we might do, right? Like, am I, when I think about, I just got back from Costa Rica and even just being out of the country for a week was a reset for me, not for the obvious reasons of like getting to go on vacation, but because it was a reminder that not everyone lives the way we do in America. Yeah. Not everyone is go, go, go. People stop and pause and maybe let themselves get bored or don't even call it boredom, but like have time to sit. Yeah. And so this question of, am I, is this avoidant behavior or is this an opportunity to process like mental process, emotional process, whatever is so important because so many people I know don't give themselves that time to take a break. And, and what you teach and what you've just explained is like even going to one of your yin classes or a restorative class or an opportunity to, be to move from doing to being yeah to not have all of these distractions pull us away from what is happening right now because even a more dynamic class and even a a, a yin class can be dissociative yep. right like you can still tune out and not be there which is the flickering of the mind which is normal and it's okay but there is so much benefit to slowing down and in the sake of like, for the sake of yin, like all of those and honoring all of those sensations, right? There's so much happening on a cellular level that, that one can feel over the, the duration of three to five to seven minutes because the stretches are more unsupported. And that's the big difference between yin and restorative too, is like the, the use of props and getting into the connective tissue and feeling more sensations. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, anything you want to add to that? I think one thing is that with any type of spiritual practice or even an awareness in neuropsychology, 
even asking the question, is this avoidant, is advancing. Mm. And I tell, because I work with a lot of people who have really serious anxiety and PTSD, I, we call it like um, intentional disassociation. Because if we are dealing with a huge amount of stress, sometimes leaning into that is beneficial and sometimes it could be re-traumatizing. And so being able to be like, I am going for this walk because I cannot deal with this particular situation. It might be avoidant, but it's consciously avoidant. Mm -hmm. And even that is sort of advanced, you know? Because there's the intention. Because there's an intention and there's an awareness. And when people come to yin, a lot of times they're not ready to see their own mind. They're not ready to see what they think about. And if they're ruminating, you know, going over things again and again, anyone that is willing to go on these walks and willing to practice yin or restorative in some way that in itself is advanced because it's willing to see more about the mind, mm -hmm. which is not an easy thing to do. And at times we may disassociate, we may be avoidant, but even with the awareness, like there are times when I'm like, I don't want to deal with today. I'm going to go watch the X-Files or like whatever <laughs> I do, you know, but the thing is, I know enough to know exactly what I'm doing. What I see um, more often is that when people don't have yoga in their lives or they don't have any form of like exercise or movement, they don't even realize they're just moving through without consciousness. Mm -hmm. And a lot of our practice is we are developing consciousness. And then over time, what we see happen is over time, we are able to remain present for longer. But especially when we're dealing with different me mental health realm stuff, we don't want to push it. And this is part of why I really love yin is that yin is like, come as you are, right? Like, you're not trying to make it look like what anyone else is doing. You're not trying your own pace, right? Mm -hmm. Your own pace. You're, yep. you're walking at your own pace. You're yep. stretching at your own pace. You're listening to your own body. It is not about what someone else is doing or even what we were doing 10 years ago. Yeah. And by keeping it really bio-individual, it removes the stress and often allows us to remain present longer and not to disassociate or not to, you know, check out. And at times we might, but again, just that awareness in a way is like kind of advanced. <laughs> it's true. And I think as somebody, I appreciate that reminder because I mean, I, I've been practicing yoga now for, I don't even know how many years, how old am I? 35, I guess like, I've probably been practicing as long as you've been teaching, but I've been teaching for about mm, seven years. I want to say. And so sometimes I, I like, it's almost like I'm not aware of my awareness, right? It's like, I'm not aware of my level of consciousness because yeah. I have to take a step back and remember that the reason I do what I do is because I want, I know what I've experienced and I know what the benefits of this practice are because I've experienced them over and over again. And that's why I share it. That's why I feel compelled to share what I do with others. And I know that you you can relate to that. It's like this, almost this sense of responsibility because yeah. of what I've been able to, because of how I've been able to move through trauma with more grace, with more understanding, with more forgiveness for myself and for others with compassion. And, and that's not something that just comes. That's not something, I mean, I think at our core, that might be something that's there, but then with so much of conditioning and, you know, our own individual traumas and things that we've gone through, there are a lot of layers that are piled on 
top of who we are. And so a lot of that is just like shedding some of those layers to get back to, oh, right, there's this awareness, there's this magic in slowing down. And there's actually significant change that happens, especially in yin, when you just are in these stretches for, you know, even three minutes sometimes. Yeah. And, and that's what I tell like to the boardwalkers, to anyone who I meet, to patients that I work with at the physical therapy clinic, like five minutes counts, three minutes counts, a little bit goes a long way. And like you were saying at your own pace, I don't tell people to go out and walk 20 miles a day. <laughs> I'm like, walk around your block yeah. because even just standing up changes your brain. Yep. Just putting a little intention behind something, even if it is dissociating from a really frustrating phone call or a problem you're trying to solve, like getting up actually makes way for more creativity to like find the flow again and to be able to just step aside and come back. It's like taking a couple deep breaths. I mean, that can, it can have a similar effect, but movement, movement is medicine and also the, the awareness. And what I find interesting about yin is, it appears that there's no movement happening, but there is. There's a lot of movement and part of it's happening within the chi flow. Um, Cause yin is a type of chi skill. Um, but also there are great changes that happen in the mind and something that, you know, it ties into all of this is a lot of the neuroplasticity and the changes that happen in the brain happen in NREM in this one part of deep sleep. And so if we're sleeping better then we are literally continuing to change the mind. And so anything that helps us to sleep better, it literally helps us to change the mind. When we are out walking and when people are doing yin, I have people that they keep notebooks because they're getting so many ideas. They're getting ideas for songs, for pieces of art. They're working through things emotionally where all of a sudden they go, I understand why I feel the way I feel about this. And it's like revelation happens all the time. I feel this all the time when I'm not walking. I'll get this. I'm just like, it's like, it's a type of processing. Mm -hmm. But the thing is that creativity, it doesn't, it's like, it happens when we're doing yin. It happens when we're walking. And then by sleeping and by dreaming, the other thing that dreams have, you know, dreams are about emotional processing and it's the only time when the muscles relax so then we feel physically better but also it's the house of creativity Mm -hmm. and so when we're taking care of ourselves at all these points it just keeps creating this domino effect where we're getting more creative from our dreams and then we're out in the world and we're walking and we're stretching and we're getting more creative there and we're caring for the body and it just keeps creating these healthy cycles and it, it, it's not always easy and it's not always the same, but we, yeah, I like what you said about, you know, it, a little goes a long way. I tell my students, you don't have to do an hour of yin. You could do one yin pose. Yeah. Just a walk around the block because part of it is we are creating new healthy habits. And especially for myself and for those that I work with who are addicts, we're looking for better ways to live and walking and doing yoga, um, and dancing and like all these things, they are, they're helping us to create new and better healthy habits. Yeah. They're part of the, the, um, the magic, the magic concoction, right? It's not, 
there's there's a huge conversation that happened over the last year or two about like is yoga enough you know because i think people started to think like i could just go to vinyasa i could do this i can do that and it's enough for my mental physical health but there's so many ingredients um that contribute to a healthy happy life and is walking around the block enough to keep somebody strong and healthy and enough physical um, exercise for their whole life? Maybe not. Probably not. I mean, it's like with yin. If somebody yeah. just practices yin, is that enough? You talk a lot about harmony in, yeah. in your classes and that we need the yang energy. We need the strength training. We need the power. We need something that the dance, something that will help balance out these down-regulating practices. Yeah. Um, so a lot of what a lot of the advice I give to people is just an ingredient they can add into their daily life and something that is, is accessible. And like you said, breaking mm -hmm. down, I mean, you teach 60 plus minute classes for your yin. And I, I started with restorative. I started like 90 minute and now it's like in, in the States, it's like pretty common to just do like 60 minute classes. But I always tell my students the same thing. Like you can do this, sequence in the order that I'm teaching it, but you can also take any of these postures, like legs up the chair, legs up the wall, set a timer for five to 10 minutes before you go to bed. And that is still going to benefit you. Totally. And it's, yeah, I think there's, there's a lot of power in remembering that, that we can still break things down. And that we can, we can really continue to change things. We say we keep the practice alive. And so mm -hmm. maybe at, you know, one point in our lives, we like, I have people that used to run a lot and that worked. Well, maybe it no longer works for their knees or their time schedules or whatever. And I say, mix it in, right? Maybe do a little yin walk a couple times a week, maybe do some yang practice that might be doing weights. You know, we go out dancing. Mm -hmm. It's so good. You have no, it's so good for all of you listening. You want to, you want to see these. Come find things. us out yeah. on the town. We're, we're so good. <laughs> it's amazing. We have so much fun. It's just out of control, but truly, I mean, like that's part of, that's part of my practice so is going out dancing. And I know people that they, they, they want to surf or they want to, um, you know, ski or snowboard. We find whatever works to create harmony in the system. But another thing to note is that especially when we're younger and like in, you know, the 20s, it's very natural to want to do more of a yang practice. And we see this like in the in the Kung Fu traditions, they talk about this, how it's really natural to want to do more of that yang. And as we get older, we tend to move toward the subtle. Whenever I see like a 16 year old come into yin, I'm like, are you lost? I'm like, are we, <laughs> do you know where, do you know what we're doing? And like once in a while, they'll be coming in because they heard from their mom that this is good for anxiety or something. But often we get a slightly older population and it is what I consider more advanced. And what I mean by that is looking for something almost more meditative, mm -hmm. um, which can be really challenging for a lot. And it's different for everybody. Some people will find Ashtanga or Vinyasa challenging. Some people will find Yin challenging. Some people can sit for two hours and it's nothing. And yeah. if they overstretch, then I'm going to go send them back to doing weights and to doing something young. And so finding harmony, but then being willing for that to shift depending on circumstance, because if we get rigid, 
then that in itself is is like counterproductive. So just being able to be like, well, maybe I can do this today. Maybe I can't. Maybe, you know, I rest today. Like that's mm -hmm. that. I also want to emphasize that rest and sleep to me is a part of the practice, allowing time to have proper rest and sleep, because overall it's going to make us more functional in everything that we do, but also valuing the subtle practices, not feeling like restorative is doing nothing. It's like, oh, restorative is doing a lot. You're creating this great harmony and you're really bringing your system into parasympathetic rest and digest, which is so beneficial for the body. So we have to sort of reevaluate what we look at as um, like how we value, you know, things because doing nothing. Hey, that's that's the origin of yoga, right? <laughs> 500 years of seated meditation. Doing nothing is doing everything. Thank you for this banana bread. You're so welcome. <laughs> I, so I, only I knew you needed it. I was like, she's going to need some of this banana bread. I didn't make it, by the way. I, I can Trader, make it. It's TJ's, like from Trader TJ's. Joe's. But yeah, um, it's pretty good. Mm, but yeah, I love baking. I only bake two things. Chocolate chip cookies and banana bread. I never use the same recipe. I'm always like mixing it up. I think the best banana bread I ever made was I added lavender. Oh, I love it. And I brought it. it. I brought it on a date that I went on. And there was extra. And he was like, I'm keeping the extra. Is that okay? I'm like, that's fine. Because he, so he cooked creative. me dinner and it was very sweet. But it was so easy. I just added a little bit into the batter and then a little bit on top. And it was actually lavender that I had left over. I got it in Germany. I think it was from France. Mm. But it was... I don't think it ever molds or goes bad, but it was very, so very good. So this is funny because do you know that I used to be a baker? When I no. I, yeah. Okay. So this is funny because when I got into yoga school at the Hatha Yoga Center in I Seattle. I did not know you were a baker. I was. I, I mean, I wasn't great. I was pretty good. But we were like the first vegan, gluten-free, organic bakery in America called The Flying Apron. But here's what is so perfect about this. I and love how this you ties so in. much. I love you so much. <laughs> here's what's really funny. What you just said about the lavender, this is brilliant. So check this out. One day... Um, my boss at the time, Jen Dowd, was literally a food genius. She made she made up so many recipes. She actually sold multiple books. But one day I came in and I had had this weird ass dream. Sorry. I had had this weird okay. dream about us making curry chocolate chip cookies. And when I came in, I was like, Jen. Curry? I love that. Okay. So even that you say that, like, right. I, so in, when I have this gym, I tell Jen and I'm expecting her to be like, ooh, gross. But Jen just goes, well, how do they taste? And I love that you're like, well, what, what kind of curry? curry? <laughs> right? Because you're all, you know, what's up? Yeah. So so in the dream, we had, um, it wasn't like a pre-mixed masala. It was like we literally mixed a masala. Mm. Um, but here's what's crazy. Ooh, I when I see that being really good. So I tell Jen, like, it, I tell her this and she was like, were they good? And I was like, no, it was a dream, Jen. And she was like, well, go in the kitchen. Make them till they're good, right? This is what the food genius says. Yeah. And so this is how like <laughs> we develop this new idea. And the secret is you don't use very much. Mm. You, it's a very tiny amount. But of course, you know, different masalas produce different flavors. They have different kind of bases. And it almost makes it more savory. But it's almost like you do a mole, right? You know, you have a chocolate chicken style. Like, you know, you can have mole and totally. it's very savory. But yeah, so that was like the, the whole curry chocolate to cookie thing. And the creativity came from the dream realm, creating this wild new idea. 
I love that full circle. I know it's so <laughs> awesome. It's so it's so perfect. I just have to give a shout out because I don't think I ever told you about this, but so my brother lives in Seattle, and whenever I visit, we go to the farmers market, and there's a local bakery called Salmon Salmonberry Salmonberry Goods. I think is what they're called. You can find them on Instagram. They have an onion cookie. What? It is yes. the best cookie I've ever had. An onion cookie. It was kind of like a snickerdoodle with onion. Oh, are they like caramelized? Like what's what's the how do they do? I'm it's, so excited. I don't know what their secret is, but it's so it's the same idea of like Yeah. Something you would never expect and then it just yeah. hitting the spot. So, yeah. yeah so much creativity, whether it's through music or mm -hmm. creating, you know, new foods or new architecture, it often, it stems from the brain mixing in all these wild, mm. seemingly different components to create something new, but, ah, oh, I love it so much. And, and yeah. I think like opening up our attention to, to these things, like opening up our attention to recognizing we're bored or opening up our attention to realizing, like actually getting up and going for a walk would benefit me you know, this, this level of consciousness, that attention is what breeds intention. Yeah. And I know we were talking at the beginning about meditation kind of seeming like a solitary practice or giving off this vibe of it, of it being very individual. And I was hoping that you could speak to that a little bit because yeah, there it's a bit misconstrued. Right? Yeah. And I, I wanted to mention that because, you know, what can happen in the West is people come to meditation in the West and they, Think that they should be able to sit for 45 minutes and the mind clears but that's that's actually not at all how it works and in many of the ancient traditions in buddhism there would be three main components one would be that you would read ancient text to constantly absorb information and actually i'm going to come back to that in a moment and talk mm. about how in walking that's important mm. but you would read text then you would discuss with your community. You would have group meetings with other people and talk about the text and talk about meditating. Then you would sit and meditate. We miss these pieces often. And then we're like, why can't I meditate? It's like, cause you miss these pieces. Also because it's not meant to be easy and we can't expect that the mind is necessarily going to clear at first. There's a whole, process of that which is the word nirvana which as i always say is not just a sick band from the 90s <laughs> right so the word nirvana literally means to blow out from lack of fuel extinction perfection and it is the running out of thoughts and in some traditions also some people would say that samadhi comes before nirvana it depends on the tradition but often it's nirvana so the mind runs itself out and we don't attempt to force that process. We allow the process. And then by allowing that process, then we attain moksha, which is liberation, samadhi, which is enlightenment. Well, that here's meditative absorption. Yeah, that, that, that um, ultimate super bliss conscious state. But to get there, people, they don't realize that they're trying to get to samadhi without going through nirvana or moksha. And this is part of why we walk why we do yin because one thing i have found with yin yin creates that process of nirvana and so does walking so could dancing or a million other things and i realized something um a while back i was talking to someone i know that runs a lot and they said that they would consciously make themselves take different running paths 
because they wanted to stimulate their brain and to see new things. Well, here's why that's genius. Remember what I said about you read all these texts because then you're adding into your pot of knowledge. I tell my students all the time, I'm like, go see films you've never seen. Listen to music you've never heard. Listen to music and see films in other languages, right? Go to new places, right? You do this all the time, which is one of the things I love about you. You're constantly meeting new people, doing new things, going to art shows, because then we fill the pot of knowledge constantly with something new. That is what breeds creativity. And so when we are also out in the world and we're going on these walks and we're taking a new path and doing all this, different sounds, different smells, different faces, we don't even realize that we're adding to this pot of knowledge and then it ends up becoming creativity. And it just, we feel less alone. We feel yeah. like it's the, the interconnectedness that is a result of these mindful practices yeah and of paying more attention because like i said before it's through this opening of attention that we that that makes way for for intention behind anything that we're doing that's why actually that's probably a lot of why i got into yoga it's funny because i mentioned the bakery in seattle but a lot of people actually don't they don't know this but at that time my partner was um, a metal guitarist. And so everyone that we were hanging out with was like in the metal world. And then I got into yoga and my friends were all like, what are you doing hanging out with 40 year olds and unitards? And now I'm the 40 year old, <laughs> now I'm the 40 year old and the unitard, right? But back then my friends were all like, what are you doing? And I was like, this is amazing. But people weren't that into yoga 20 years ago. And now here's the funny part. They all do yoga, right? Because all of their backs hurt and shit, right? But we've all come to yoga for different reasons. But when I came to yoga, I found a community. I found something that wasn't just missing for me physically, but emotionally. And it was stimulating me in a different way. Another thing is that, you know, growing up like um, with a temple or with church, you get to experience lots of different age groups. And if we don't have something like that, then we don't have that. That's part of what I love about yoga. I got people in there that are 20. I got people in there that are 80 and they're all talking after class. And I think that that's a big part of it is that the Sangha, right? Mm -hmm. The community matters more than we realize. There's nothing I love more than being like, oh, these students became friends. They met in this class. Oh, those people are dating. They met in this training, right? I and to be like, the they're yeah. finding community. They're they're hanging out outside of here. That's so amazing. Because more than anything, it's like if we feel alone and we feel isolated, that can be problematic. That can make, you know, it can not only be an issue with depression or anxiety, but when we have a community like ours where we openly talk about mental health and we talk about our experiences, we talk about these things, it it makes it it just makes it more valid. People's experiences are validated and they realize, oh, well, even though these people have had different lives and they might be a different age than me, we are all working through suffering and we are all wanting to find connection. Even though we are quite different, we are also very much the same. And we're hardwired for that connection. Yep. I mean, it, it is what it is. <laughs> it is what it is. I That's some of the... The feedback I get from the boardwalkers that join my my month long um, walking group is that some of them are more socially awkward. Some of them don't feel like they have a sense of community. And even though it's a remote leisurely walking club, the fact that they have somebody 
that's in a way holding them account accountable, just holding them. And I feel held by the community too, going out on walks, knowing that we have a similar intention to get out every day. It's, it's so powerful. It, it's, I mean, I know Tara Brock says this a lot about loneliness is like, we feel lonely because there's this, this lack of a sense of belonging. Yeah. And just by plugging into community, whether that's an intimate, in an intimate way, like the boardwalk and the way that I've been hosting it more, more recently, because before it was on Instagram and the, the groups were bigger and now it's on telegram. And so it's more intimate and which I actually prefer. Um, and even like smaller classes or people that you have coming back over and over again to your classes, it just, it's again, these, not only are we shedding away layers of things that aren't serving us, but we're building, we're building upon ourselves. We're building upon our community and community isn't, doesn't have to be just one thing. And I think that that's something that I've had to learn for myself thinking like, okay, maybe I should only be a part of one studio and one community. Cause that's what I thought that it meant, but no, like I can have the boardwalk. I can be a part of not springs. I can, you know, we're doing our, our silent disco cardio dance seeking space. And like, just there's, there's nothing wrong with being in the flow of it. And like yeah. you said, I do, I do enjoy getting out because, because I feel less alone. I, I also struggle with, you know, mental health things. I mean, who doesn't? We're human. And so we, we need that. And I need that, which is why I, I end up taking it upon myself to build that and to offer that for others, because it is, it is a going back to reciprocity in order to give, we really have to be open to receive or else that cycle is broken yeah. and, or it's just not functioning. It's like why I stopped dating this last guy I was dating because <laughs> I'm like, dude, I'm open to receive, but you're not willing to give or receive. And so like, there's just, you know, I'm sorry. I can't like, yep got to turn down a different road. Right. Yep. So yeah. Reciprocity. Mm. It's not always easy, but it's good to, that's why it's good to be in community because yep. when we're not in a place mentally, physically, emotionally to give others might be, and, and what we, we can open up to receive and it's okay. It's okay to, to ask for help. It's okay to ask for support. And like normalizing that is so important. And I think when we can find what feels good for us, whether that's walking or dance or yoga or karate or Kung Fu yeah. or skydiving, I mean, whatever it is like doing the things that feel good because then we feel more confident in our bodies. We feel more confident to ask for help, to give help, to show up for others. I mean, it's all a chain reaction or this domino effect, as you say. Well, I'm a firm believer in like, I could never have too many friends. And both you and I, yeah. <laughs> we have tons of friends. We have friends all over the world and they're in all different kinds of groups. I was talking with my buddy who lives down in Oakland. She was telling me about this guy she's buddies with. She's like, this guy's everywhere. She's like, I go to parties all over the city places you never think he'd be, he's there. He knows everybody. I'm like, I love that because it's like, we might be, you know, in part in the fashion world, we're part in the yoga world, we're in the mental health realm, we're in the dance world, right? We know the DJs, we know the bartenders, <laughs> like, 
Sunny and I are probably going to know somebody there. The chances are good. And I love that. And like we've, and check this out. So check this out. Recently, you introduced me to this cool guy, the DJ that we go and see play all over V. Oh yeah. So he sends out this post that says, I need a bartender at this new place we open. And I grab my friend, Linda. Oh, nice. And I'm like, Linda, who just became a bartender, but also has done the yin yoga training oh, with me. And I'm like, Linda, hook up with V. She gets the job. They're working together. They're both DJs. We have a family. Mm. We're all we're all so connected. Mm. And it's cool when we're in that space of like, I want you to meet you. Let's go do this event together. Let's collaborate, right? We're, we always collaborate with all these different people, you know? And and this is how we're building something better because we all have different tools to offer. And then we can just bring more people together and people find more like helpful information. You know, it's like I teach mostly yin for like PTSD and insomnia and mental health stuff. And when somebody comes to me and they're like, you know, I want someone for this or this, I'm like, well, go check out this person, right? Go take this class or go, you know, learn about this particular thing because we have this larger community, which everyone has their specialty. And a lot of us have crossover, but we all really value what the other people are doing. And that also allows us to help more people. Cause sometimes I go, I don't know, go ask Shulman or I don't know, go to Sunny, go get body work from Sunny. You know, I don't know, go ask, go to Alex and do strength training. You know, it's like, we have this community where we all value, but we recognize that everyone has like these kind of special pockets and, and there's space real community. for everyone. There's space there's for everybody. Space for everyone. And yeah, people have asked me in the past, like, how do you have all these friends? How do you meet all these people? I want to start by so saying- So like Ferris Bueller. <laughs> <laughs> I want to start by saying that I have a very limited amount of energy and I think people just assume that I'm out and about all the time, which I am out and about, but I'm also like, I also need a lot of alone time and I know you do too. And again, it's going back to the harmony and like, and respecting that I need a lot of alone time and quiet time. But- the, re the way the reason I meet all these people is because I do get out is because I do walk I walk when I walk instead of driving sometimes if I'm in one part of town I'll walk across and I'll meet cool ass people on the way or I'll stop into places or I'll support local businesses and like and that's how or I show up and teach and like I put myself out there and it's not always easy and it's not always comfortable but it's always worth it my dad always says Bob Sunshine like you'll never meet anyone if you don't get out of the house yeah and it's and that's something he's been saying for as long as I can remember. And it's that and do good, do good. And you'll never meet anyone unless you get out of the house. And it's, and that's why I, you know, it's important for me to inspire people to get out of the house. And even if it's just walking around the block, like get out of the house, acknowledge nature, acknowledge the people you see on your walks, see them, let them see you. If Even you, in your own neighborhood, yes. you might meet someone that lives near you that you didn't know. You know, like I'm out gardening one day and I see this guy on a walk. I didn't realize that he lived on the street from me and he has for 10 years. We get talking and he starts telling me about how he was this photographer in San Francisco in the 70s. It was really cool. <laughs> and I was like, I'm so glad this dude's on the walk and that we end up talking. It's like, you never know who you'll have a conversation with or, you know, something that you might learn. And it's just, it's so easy, especially I think when we live in cities and stuff to get in these bubbles and 
that's why I'm so grateful for you and for people that like get me out of that bubble and like, you know, like going out dancing and going and meeting new people and going and trying, you know, new cheesy fries. <laughs> Dots cheesy fries, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, and so we like, oh, they're so good. <laughs> they're just like going out and like, and trying new things. Yeah. And it's like, this is how we have these new experiences. And even though our city is really big, also it's it's also like not and the, everything is more connected than we realize and so yeah you just take a walk it's like you just you know you go up to Alberta you go down the southwest or go on Hawthorne and chances are good that we will bump into somebody that we know and that's really fun it is fun mm. I'm so happy that now you want cheesy fries no, I don't know. <laughs> like, I'm so hungry I, I haven't had lunch yet so I'm like grateful for that piece of banana bread and I'm thinking like, ooh, what am I going to have? <laughs> uh, uh, thank you so much for joining in this conversation and being a part of the boardwalk. It's your support means the world to me. And as I mentioned at the beginning, you have been like this mentor for me as I've, I mean, I've been here now two years and I met you pretty early on through Om Thrive, through Day. Mm -hmm. Shout out to Day. Shout out to Day. Yes. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I, I just, yeah, I want to thank you for just being such a, an inspiring woman in my life and you've taught me so much and it's hard for me to find people that will, uh, rally at 10 or 11 PM to go out dancing. So I praise you. Honestly, I love you so much and you are one of my favorite people in the world. And I've told you this before, but truly it was like. I dreamt you up. Like, I feel like I created you in my mind as the new best friend I needed. This is why sleep is important. Yeah, this is why sleep is important. You're creating, I, I'm, I'm molded sunny in my dream. And then she, she like came to life. And, and yeah, it was like, I, I, I even manifested like a year ago, like, I wanted friends like you and Day and Jahan. And I was just like, this is what I want. And I, and I watched it happen and I'm so glad that I met you and we have such fun, not just in the yoga world and in the mental health realm and in so many ways, but mm -hmm. we not only get to go out dancing, but now we've created these events mm -hmm. where we get to bring the dance party, like literally to all these people and yeah. inspire other people and bring joy, which is what it's always about for us. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Mm.